What's going on, Thrive Church family? We're so grateful you're tuning into this week's podcast. We pray this message will bless you in the same way it has blessed our house this past Sunday. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Pastor Luis. I'm a, I'm excited, man. Spirit of the Lord is in this place, so I feel like dancing too, Pastor Luis. You, you were on it. I, I uh, I'm excited for today. Today's, today's gonna be fun. Um, we're continuing our sermon series, uh, all of me. Um, and man, didn't Pastor Chris crush it last week? What, was, wasn't it incredible? We talked about David anointed. Come on, wasn't it so good? I'm just, I'm just believing that every week in this sermon series, God's going to do something special. First service was off the hook. This service, I already know. It's already hitting in worship. So God's going to keep doing something special. But real quick, I know he, he's not in the building right now, but I know he's going to be watching online sometime this week. So can we welcome or, or honor our lead pastor, Pastor Chris? Come on. Can you give it up for Pastor Chris and Vanessa? Honor them. We have incredible lead pastors. They are so amazing, and he's actually speaking at another church um, this weekend. And so how cool is it that God is using our church to, 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 and our pastor not just to bless this house, but to bless other churches all across California? What a wonderful thing that is, that, that God's doing something special in the kingdom. And so uh, we love you, Pastor Chris. Thank you for trusting me. Um, if, if this goes terribly, everyone can text him that it was horrible. Don't ever let that guy speak again while you're gone. Just kidding. No, don't, don't do that. Just kidding. All right. All right. Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm excited. We're continuing our sermon series, All of Me. And Pastor Chris gave me the topic, David and Goliath. And if anybody has preached more than one or two messages in their life, they've had, they, they've had a David and Goliath message. I really feel, though, like this, this message is, is from the Lord. Um, and, and so I'm just excited for what God's going to do. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, open to 1 Samuel 17. And uh, it's a long passage. We're going to read verses 25 through 37. For the sake of time and your legs, I'm going to summarize the first half of 1 Samuel 17 so you don't have to be standing here the whole time while I'm reading all of 1 Samuel 17. Y'all could thank Pastor Ben. I was telling him this week, I was like, hey, I, I feel like there's so much I got to add. He's like, bro, y'all, you're going to have to summarize because you can't make those people stand for five minutes. And so you can thank Pastor Ben, give him a high five on your way out. I'm going to summarize before we stand for the reading of the word. First um, Samuel 17, here's a scene where, where the, the, the armies of the Philistines and the armies of Israel are camped on hills. So on one side of the hill is the Philistine army, Goliath and his people. And on the other side of the hill, it, 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 on the other side of the valley, there's a valley in between, there's a hill, is Israel. And, and what, what's happening is every day for 40 days, Goliath walks from his camp down to the valley, and he challenges the, the, the armies of Israel to a battle. He taunts the army of Israel. He, he's cursed God and, and made a mockery of God's people. And, and so, so, so every day, for 40 days, Goliath walks, and for every day, all of Israel just watches him. And then David's at home, and his father sends him with some... David's still a young man. This is after he's been anointed, like Pastor Chris has talked about, but he's not, it's not his time yet to be king. And so David is at home for these first 20, 25 verses. And then um, his father, Jesse, sends him with bread and cheese for the soldiers. I'm like, Lord, will you send someone with bread and cheese for me, please? <laughs> that sounds... Sounds amazing, right? He, he sends David with, 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 with some supplies for the soldiers because they're camped at war. And, and so David is, is showing up on the scene and he, he's carrying the bread and he's carrying the cheese. And this is where we're picking up now, verse 25. So if you guys can stand with me for the reading of the word. 
says this. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man, meaning Goliath, keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. I don't know about you, but if someone's exempting my family from taxes, come on, come on. <laughs> David asked the men standing near him, what will, we, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Verse 27, they repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. Verse 28, when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. This is some real brother conversation, y'all. This is, bro if you have a sibling, you've had a conversation or two like this. You know what I'm talking about? David says, the, the, the baby, the youngest, says, now what have I done? As the youngest child, I, I, feel, I felt that in my spirit. Now what have I done? What you, what you saying now? Said David, can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. I love that David's like, oh, forget you, Eliab. I'm going to ask someone else. Brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Verse 36, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. Come on, like that song we were singing this morning. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Verse 37 is where we're going to spend some time today. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you want to build up in us hearts like David that will go boldly, that will go courageously. God, I pray against the spirit of fear. I pray the spirit of fear would leave. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing already in this place. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen. You, get, you may go ahead and be seated. And um, see, if you could leave verse 37 up there, yeah, it says, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. See, what, what, what I want to submit to you today as my first point is David's greatest strength was not his ability to sling his stone. David's greatest strength was his ability to see his God as greater than his enemy. David's greatest strength was not his physical gifting. David's greatest strength was his mental capacity and spiritual eyes that would say, my God is greater than the enemy that I face today. David won the battle, not because he was gifted, but because he was faithful. David won the battle, not because he, had, he was like this expert stone slinger, although he probably was, because that's a good shot. But David won the battle because he knew who God was. And he knew, he was able to look out at, at Goliath and say, who is this man? See, David knew who God was and he knew who, who Goliath was. And he knew that whoever stands against the armies of the living God will fall. 
David, see, 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 David actually sees Goliath as lesser because David doesn't view this battle as David against Goliath. David views this battle as God against Goliath. I think we need to catch that revelation today that the battles that you fight are not you against the battle that you fight. It's God against the battle that you fight. The spiritual battles that we fight in our nation, the spiritual battles that we fight in our family, the spiritual battles that we fight every day is not us against them because if it's us against them, we lose every time. But it's God against the, the, the giant. It's God against the thing that's coming for your family. It's God against the depression and anxiety that has tormented your mind. See, we have to catch the revelation that David caught is this isn't my battle. This is his battle. And that's why I go confidently. See, I believe God is raising up Davids who don't fear the giants of this world. I believe God wants to build in you today a heart like David where you don't fear the world, where you don't fear um, the, the giants of this world. Who, Davids who, who see the battle through the lens of their God and not their fear. You know, this story is actually talked about completely incorrectly, I believe, in culture and society. Right, if you ever watched a college football game, they almost always use this story, right? It's a David and Goliath battle, the number one team against, I don't know, Sac State. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like some, some little college, right? Uh, I'm not, I don't know why I picked Sac State. Sorry, Sac State. If you are an alumni, I'm sorry. <laughs> see, see, it's incorrect, right? Like, like anytime the Raiders play, it's a David and Goliath story, is what they say, because the Raiders are going to lose every game. Just kidding, just kidding. I'm just kidding, just kidding. That's one. I got one. That's it. I'll let it go. I'll let it go. One, just like how many wins y'all have. No, no, I shouldn't have done it. I'm sorry. Okay, now I'm done. David, culture paints this picture all wrong. David and Goliath, and David is the little one who has no chance. See, that's not how David, if you read the word uh, accurately, that's not how David viewed this battle. David didn't believe he was the underdog. David understood that it was actually the Lord versus Goliath. And so the, 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 the underdog in this battle was not David, but actually it was Goliath because David knows who goes before him and he know, goes who comes behind him. And so David was not the underdog in this battle. David was the one who actually walked with authority and boldness and courage. Even though he was a young man, he caught the revelation that, hey, 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 I don't have to be worried about you because my God is with me and my God is for me. David's strength was his heavenly perspective and his vision. The greatest strength you have as a follower of Jesus is when you take your focus off of you and your mess and put it on God. That is your greatest strength, to take your focus off of the things that you struggle with and put them on the cross of Christ. Because what happens when you fix your eyes on Jesus is you begin to get healed and transformed. What happens when you fix your eyes on the giant is you begin to worry. What happens is when you fix your eyes on the thing that, that's been holding you, whether it's sin, whether it's a loss of a loved one, whether it's turmoil at work, I don't, tur 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 turmoil, I couldn't say that word, turmoil at work, whatever it is, the thing that, that, that you're facing, if you stare at it, instead of staring at your God, it will always overcome you because you're worried about the thing. If you fix your eyes on Jesus, you'll find he'll bring you peace even in the middle of the storm. Jesus is the God, I think Pastor Chris said this last week, Jesus is the God that sleeps in the middle of the storm. He's the God on the boat who's like, eh, it's just a storm. I've seen it before and I'll see it again. Put your eyes on him. In fact, 2 Corinthians 12 says, God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. 
So if you came in here feeling weak today, that's okay. If you came in here feeling like you just can't do it anymore on your own strength and you want to quit and you want to walk away from God, can I tell you it's because you're putting all of the emphasis on what you do and you can do and taking it off of Jesus. If you feel weak today, can I tell you you don't have to stay weak. Take your eyes and fix them on the Lord and watch how he gives you peace and watch how he gives you strength and watch how he gives you joy and watch how he gives you boldness. We can dance and worship because we've been freed, not because we freed ourselves, but because we have been freed and I've been liberated from the chains of my sin and bondage. And so I can dance because I have the joy of the Lord, which is my strength. Some of us feel weak because we're, we're looking inward. We're looking at the mirror when we should be looking at the cross. I want to speak to someone today who feels like they're overwhelmed in their life fighting a spiritual battle. You are not the underdog. You are already victorious because you're seated with Christ. You are covered by the blood of Jesus. You probably feel overwhelmed because you're looking in all the wrong places for healing when you should look for him. You ever met that person who could just see the worst in everything? You know who I'm talking about, right? Like there's like, oh, don't look at him right now. Don't look at him. You know what I'm talking about though, right? Like the person's like, well, yeah, I got, I, I, I got a promotion, why are you sad? I'm still at the same company. I'll take your promotion. You know what I'm saying? Like, what? Do you, uh, they can find the they can find the the negative. They can find the, how the glass is half empty in everything. Can I tell you those people struggle not because their life is the hardest life in the world, but oftentimes it's because what they focus on is the things of this world, and what they focus on are the things that 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 they don't have. Instead of saying, God, where do you want me to go? Where are you calling me to? And what? Look at what you have given me. There was a study done um, that, 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 that talks about how you can, the part of the brain that, that, um, that, that is responsible for anxiety and thankfulness cannot work at the same time. You cannot be anxious and thankful at the same time. And so when you begin to put your eyes on Jesus and just say in the morning, thank you, Jesus, Lord. Thank you, God, that you saved me. Thank you that you rescued me. Thank you that you're there for me. Anxiety begins to go. Your brain literally cannot process these two things at the same time. Lift your heavenly perspective. If you feel weak in yourself, that's okay. You were never supposed to feel strong in yourself. You're supposed to feel strong in the Lord. Is their life really that bad? The complainers know their perspective is. And, and I'm not trying to dismiss. Some people, sometimes we really do go through hardships. Like I'm not, try, I'm not, I'm not trying to dismiss the, the, the tough things of life, the anxiety, the fear, the, the, the loss of a job, the loss of a loved one. I'm not dismissing. That stuff is real. They faced a very real giant in the valley and he was a real problem, right? But if you fix your eyes on God, you can begin to see healing through it. Does that make sense? I'm not dismissing what, what, what you're going through, but what I'm saying is God is the answer to all of your issues. See, David could have been like the rest of Israel and just moped around. He could have got there with the bread and the cheese and the charcuterie board. You know what I'm talking about? He could have got there with the charcuterie board. and the, the, uh, the, I guess, yeah, no, he could have got there and just been like, oh, but that is a real giant. He's real big and he's got a real big sword and, and he's, got a real, he's got real armor and it's heavy. And yeah, you know, we're out of luck. He could have. That's what all of Israel was doing. He could have done that. But what David is, wait a second, who's that guy? Who's that big guy in the valley? 
What's he doing? And why is he cursing God? And why is he calling out the God? He, see, he could have gone and just moped like the rest of Israel, but he had a heavenly perspective, a courage, and a boldness in his heart. See, I believe God wants to build in us hearts like David where we don't look at all the wrong things, we look at all the right things. We don't look at the problem and say, oh man, that's a really big problem. We look at the problem and say, whoa, my God can solve that problem. God wants to build in us a heart like David to be the deliverer and not the destroyer, not the destructor. God wants to build in us a heart like David to be the deliverer. If you could throw up 1 Samuel 17, 10 through 11. There we go. Thank you. It's there. Cool. It says this. I want to bring you back in the story uh, and to the part that I summarized. I want you to see it, though. It says, then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul, the king, and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. If you throw verse 16 up there for me. It says, for 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and every evening and took his stand. Goliath went into that valley for 40 days every morning and took his stand against God's people. I believe God wants to raise up Davids who don't see a problem and just roll with it. I believe God wants to raise up in us a heart of David that don't see a giant in the valley and just cower with fear. I believe God wants to raise up inside of this church, inside of the hearts of you and I, David-like men and David-like women who will assess a situation and say, wait a second, who is, in the, who is that guy in that valley? Why is he out there and why is he cursing the name of God? Listen to me. Far too often, I think we think we're like David, but we're actually like the rest of Israel sitting on the sideline. We read the story and we think, I would have done what David did. Really? Because your coworker just, it, it, it just you, you complain about your coworker and they ain't even a giant that's trying to kill you. They're just, that's just Deborah. You know what I'm saying? Like, a, that's just. It's just Susan. You know, you know, like you're complaining about like, like you, things that are insignificant. We complain about things that are insignificant, that aren't actual threats. Who's facing an actual threat? See, 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 that might be where we are today with a complaining spirit and complaining heart and negativity. But I believe God wants to build in us a heart like David that sees the situation and goes boldly. Not because we're uniquely gifted, but because we're uniquely faith-filled. David was not uniquely gifted. David was uniquely filled with faith. David was actually probably a way worse warrior than all of the army of Israel. He was just a boy. What did David have? Heavenly perspective. What did David have? A heart after God. What did David have? A heart that says, God, you can do everything. You can do anything. And if you're with me, that's all I need. If you're with me, God, that's all I need. Verse 16 says, for 40 days, Goliath walked down to the valley and challenged the armies of Israel. My question is, why did it take 40 days for anyone from the side of Israel to walk down to that valley? Why did all of Israel look and just cower in fear? Why, what did David know that the rest of them didn't? See, David had a history with God when he was out in the shepherd where he would pray and he would talk with God. And when a lion or a bear would come, David would know that God was with them. See, I think we need to begin to develop a history with God so that way when we're faced with a giant, we can say, you know what? I was with you Tuesday morning when you were praying and, and God was with me Wednesday afternoon and God was with me Thursday evening in my home. And so I know when I face this giant and I get that hospital, news on Friday. I know that God is still with me and he hasn't left me because I have a history with God and I know who God is and I know he is mine and I am his. What did David know that the rest of the army didn't know? Why didn't anyone step into that valley? I believe any Israelite soldier that walked down into that valley would have slain Goliath. It was not David's, it was not David's gifting. It wasn't his uh, warrior ability. It was his heart after God and his understanding and revelation of who God was. 
See, if David didn't walk down into that valley, they probably would have waited another 40 days, 40 months, 40 years. They would have waited forever. I believe God wants to build in us a church, a, a people group that would not look at the problems that face Lathrop, Manteca, Tracy, Stockton, Modesto, Ripon, and say, you know what? It's just too far gone. It's just, it's just a mess. It's just, California's just gone. I, I believe that God wants to raise in us a heart of people who say, I see a real problem, but I'm also going to carry a real solution. And his name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I have the living water that goes with me where I go. And I know the God who delivered me can deliver you as well. See, see, here's the reality. Some of us have been waiting for David to show up on the scene. Can I tell you that David is not coming? David is not coming to your workplace. David is not coming to your high school. David is not coming to your family. God wants to build in you a heart like David. God wants to call you the deliverer. We've been praying prayers like, oh, God, if you would just get that person at work fired, my life would be great. No, no, no. If you would just change the culture, no. Lord, if you would just change the hearts of the people at my school, if you would just make them better people, no, I, 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 it would just be so much better. I, I believe God is saying, I'm trying, I'm sending you. My workplace is a mess. Yeah, that's why I sent you there. Instead of complaining about it, yeah, that's why I sent you, son. That's why I sent you, daughter. Oh, well, my cousins are crazy. Well, that's why I put you in that family. Oh, man, well, you just don't understand. My high school, my high school is a mess. I know, y'all, I know your high school really is a mess. Your school is a mess. That's why you're there, friend. That's why you're here. We complain and ask God to change it. He's like, I'm trying, son. I'm trying, daughter. Why don't you go and carry the living water that I've given you? Why don't you go and carry the spirit of God that lives inside of you and give a very real solution to a broken world? Instead of complaining about the brokenness, why don't you bring the, why don't you bring the one who heals? See, I believe that God wants to change our cities, our schools, our families. But here's the deal, friends. Here's the deal. He's always going to start with you and I. God wants to, we want God to like change our school so we're more comfortable. We want God to change our workplace so we're more comfortable. He's saying, I'm sending you. I'm going to change your heart so you change that place. See, I believe God wants to build in us a heart that's, that has no pride in a heart that's after God, a heart that loves Jesus. David was a warrior and a worshiper, but before he was a warrior, he was a worshiper. I believe God wants to build in us hearts of worshipers who love God, who worship God, who meet with God. And then from that place, they're sent out. What does this practically look like? I want to give you some practical so you can actually put this into practice. Instead of complaining about your coworkers, bless them. Pray for them. Take them to lunch. Share Jesus with them. In your family, you have that one cousin that drives you crazy and you don't want them to go to Thanksgiving. You're like, Lord, please. I know I've been there too. Lord, please, if they just don't come. I don't want them to be alone, but they could just go to someone else's house. Like, like, no, I believe actually in this season, God's going to say, hey, why don't we meet for lunch the week before Thanksgiving so that, so that, so that way I can speak life into you before Thanksgiving. I believe God is sending us to the very things that annoy us, not because he wants us to be annoyed, but because he wants us to take the life to them. I've heard people, oh, this country sucks. Church in America is dying. These kids and their dang TikToks. How about instead of just pointing out problems, we allow God to build in us a heart like David that runs to the problem, not from the problem. I've, is California the greatest state in the nation? Uh-uh. California has its flaws. We all know that, right? But um, 
clearly. But how about instead of running from it, we run into it to bring change? How about instead of running from the issue, we run to the issue with the living water that is Jesus Christ, and we bring about change and reform? I, I, believe, I believe that with all my heart, that God is not a God that runs from a mess. He's a God that runs to a mess. See, he's a God. See, the story of the prodigal son, when the prodigal son had ran away, he was coming home, and he was like, man, if I can just, if I can just serve in my father's house, I don't even want to be called a son anymore. I just want to be a servant. And he was a mess and he was coming home after his sin and his death and his destruction. And instead of running away from him, like people might have anticipated as the father did, the father ran to him and met him. See, my God does not run away from a mess. My God runs to a mess with hope and healing. And God wants to build in you a heart where you would not run from people who are a mess, but you would run to people who are a mess. And God would begin to use you like David to transform a city, to transform a state, to transform a nation. What if the church instead of complaining, actually walked in the authority that God's called us to. To be deliverers, not destructors. How do I know God runs after people? Because when I was a mess, he ran after me. When I was a mess, he left the 99 to find the one. Family, it's time we stop complaining about the one. It's time we stop complaining about, oh, well, that prodigal son, that prodigal daughter, that prodigal neighbor, that person who's left. And so, well, they're just, have you heard? Have you heard? <laughs> Side note, this is just completely free, all right? The prayer request that's packaged as, a, as drama, stop it. Well, have you heard that sister so-and-so is going through? Stop it. Like, like, like that, mm. stop complaining about the people. Stop gossiping about the people that God has called you to love on. Win them, love them back into the kingdom. No one comes back into the kingdom because, oh, yeah, they're just a mess. No, pray for them. There's a, there's a man named Tom Rayner. He's an author and he's a pastor. And he wrote a book called The Unchurched Next Door. And uh, he and his team conducted a study. And they found, this study blows my mind. And, it, and it's from, I believe, 2008. So it might be a little bit different. But still, the study remains. The, the, the numbers are the numbers. It, it says that 82% of people said they would likely come to church if they were just invited. 82% said they would come. You know what else the study found? Only 2% of Christians in America invite someone to church actively. <laughs> what does that tell us? That the world is waiting for an invitation. We have, we have the hope of the world inside of us. We have the life to give and we're holding on to it and keeping it inside. I think it's time that we be deliverers like David and bring the good news of the gospel to people. I believe it's time we bring the good news. We bring the hope that we have. We share it. We love on people. Why? Because freely you have received, so freely do you give. You have two choices. You can sit on the sidelines and complain about the situation you're in like the army of Israel. Or you can allow God in you to build a heart like David where you see a problem and step into it. Where you see a problem with hearts on fire. Where you see a problem with hearts on fire full of faith and boldness, you go. A heart that says, you can have all of me. I don't believe we're called to be a church that sits on the sidelines and attends. I don't believe we're called to be a church that just hears someone preach Here's, here's the worship team saying, goes home and goes about their day. I believe we're a church that's called to go about our, our weeks living out the passage of Scripture. I'm here to tell someone today that if you've been watching the giant tear apart your family, mock your marriage, mock your workplace, tear apart your high school, and you're waiting for a David, David ain't coming. God is sending you to be David as a deliverer. God is sending you deliverer. I, I said this first service, and it just, I was just like, oof, this, this is heavy. Ready? This might hurt some feelings. You have no business complaining about someone you haven't prayed for. 
You have no business complaining about someone that you have not got in front of the face of Jesus and said, Lord, I pray that you bring them into their kingdom. You have no business talking mess about someone you haven't shared the gospel with because you'll talk about their death, but you won't talk, you won't talk and share with them the life that's oppor- that, that, they can, that they can have at any opportunity. God is calling us to be deliverers, not destructors, to build up and not tear down. And uh, Pastor, one of you and the worship team can come up. I'm almost done. Last point. I uh, want to end with this. David, so we talked about how David had a history with God. David's history with God had him ready for more than just Goliath. David knew God was faithful when, when he was in the fields with the bears and the lions. And so David said, David knew that when he went out to face Goliath, that, w- that was nothing. David went with a boldness that a young man should not have had. David went with a courage that a young man should not have had because David had a history with God. Friend, I think we need to, it's time we get a history with God. It's time we get a prayer life. Man, the prayer room is open Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 12 to 1. I think some of us on your lunch break, if, if you work from home, whatever, get in the prayer room. Get a history with God. If you can't make the prayer room, pray at your house. Like, it, this is for real. Like, it's time for us to build a history with God so we we know that when we're faced with giants, they got to go down. First Samuel 17, 40. Watch this. It says this. We can throw that up there. It says, then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. I was reading. I'm like, huh, why did David bring five stones? Because Imagine this, you're, you're in a battle, and, and, and David's been doing this for a while with the lions and the bears. David, had, uh, David was pretty sure, I'm, I'm convinced, David was sure that he would not miss when he slung that stone at Goliath. Now imagine you're in a battle with a lion with a, with a stone and a sling, and you sling the first stone at the, at the lion. You don't get to be, and you miss, you don't get to be like, hold on, lion. Let me, get, let me reload. You know, like... No, you don't, David didn't have the opportunity to miss. David wasn't going to be like with Goliath, sling, sling the stone, miss. Be like, hold on, stop right there, Goliath. Let me, let me reload. Let's be fair. No, that was, wasn't happening. David did not think he was going to miss. See, I, I believe that with all my heart, David was ready for the next giant to come. See, see, see David was ready. David was not going to miss. David knew he was going to hit, he was, he was hit Goliath. And then David was expecting that maybe, just maybe, someone else would walk into the valley. 2 Samuel 21 tells us that Goliath had relatives, four of them. <laughs> there were more giants in the land. Hmm. And could it have been that when David killed Goliath, he was anticipating that the next giant would walk down into the valley. And he said, I have something for you too. Goliath went down. You all watched it. What does the next giant want to do? The next giant want to step to me? Well, I have another stone for you. See, I believe that God has called us not just to be complacent and kill one giant. See, maybe the giant has fallen in your life, but your brother still has a giant in front of his face. I believe that God would call the church to say, hey, I'm not going to let that giant stand either. That giant's got to go too. And you know what I love that David did? <laughs> in 2 Samuel 21, his men killed him. He not, his men killed the brothers later on. David not only killed Goliath, but he trained people to go with him. He said, we're going to kill these giants together, brother. <laughs> David was ready for more than just Goliath. David said, I know that my God can do anything. And I'm not afraid of one giant. Matter of fact, I'm not afraid of five giants. 
David was not complacent. He was not on the defensive. He was on the offensive. David was ready for whatever and whoever. David wanted all the smoke. David was about it. David was ready. And he was just a young boy. In his own strength, David should not have been about it. But David had a holy courage because David had a history with God. Can I tell someone today that God wants to build in you a holy courage that the world would look like, what? He's ready for the next giant? Yeah, I'm ready for the next giant because it cannot stand in the presence of my God. You cannot defy the armies of the living God in front of me. That's not going to happen. David was making promises that he could not cash in his own power because he knew that God was going to be with him. I feel like some of us don't know that God is with us. He's with you today. If you've accepted Jesus in your life, he, he sends the spirit into your heart. And he gives you the mind of Christ. God is with you. You don't go boldly because you don't actually know that he's with you. I'm here to tell you, friend, that David was not special. David was a man just like you and I. David was just a man. David was actually just a young man, friend. Don't let the young people go where we won't go. David looked around and said, really, y'all? No one's going to go? All right, I'll go. Man, Jen night was Friday and it was popping. Young people got, got like 150, 120 young people, youth and young adults running after Jesus. They're going for it. Parents, don't let them go where you won't go. I mean, they're going to go whether you go or not, but can we all go to battle? Imagine what would have happened is that if David walked down into that valley, all of Israel went with him. I believe God is calling us to have a history with God and a confidence in God. Friend, I want the level of faith in here to rise where you know that where your steps go, God goes with you. Where you go, God goes. Where you go, the armies of the living God go with you so there's nothing and no one we need to fear. Catch the revelation David caught. This is not an underdog story because you have the King of Kings and Lord of Lords on your sides. You have the commander of the angel armies with you. David was ready to take ground for the kingdom. It's time we stop being defensive and we killed a giant of lust 10 years ago, but we're still hanging on to anger. I think it's time for every giant that we face to go down. It's time that we no longer dismiss the giants that we've been facing because we killed one 10 years ago. It's time that we go and we step on the heads of giants. See what David did is David promised Goliath that he was going to cut off his head. A young boy. And, what, and whose sword did he do it with? Not his, Goliath's. I'm going to kill you with the very same thing that you tried to kill me with. Oh. <laughs> Someone needs to hear that today, devil. The same thing that you tried to use to take me out is the very same thing that I'm going to cut off your head with. I believe that God is saying to people that if you try to cut off my head, I'm going to cut off the head of a giant because you cannot stand and defy God. Come on, friends. It's time to wake up. There's a spiritual war happening. Are you in the game or are you out of the game? God is calling us to have a heart like David. I'm calling you out of complacency and lifeless religion. The God of angel armies is on your side. Wake up, family. Wake awake, oh sleeper. It's time we dance on the devil's head. Hey, I want to share a story real quick. Come on, we gonna, and we're going to go into it. This story has wrecked my life recently. There's, there's a young lady. I graduated high school 10 years ago. 10 years, I know, I'm old. Just kidding. Well, I tell the youth kids that. They're like, dang, you're old, dude. I'm like, T don't tell your parents I'm old. They're going to come for you. And this young girl, she, um, well, she was young then. Her name is Taylor. And um, a little while ago, she ran into my wife. They used to go to youth group together. Thank the Lord for Taylor. And, uh... <laughs> hits me every time 
she runs into my wife and, and she says, hey, how are you doing? They're catching up. They knew each other 10 years ago. They used to go to youth group together and she says, how's your family? And she, she goes, we're doing great. We have two kids now. We got little girls. And she goes, how's your husband? What's he do for a living? And she goes, he's a pastor. And she goes, no, no, your husband, Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a pastor. And she, she was like, she said, my wife said her face was like, dropped. <laughs> Can I tell you, that moment did something in me. My wife told me, Taylor told my wife that she said, I used to pray for him in class. <laughs> she said, that kid was a mess. See, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I was smoking weed every single day, just trying to get by. I was drinking myself to, to a place of death. I was, I, was, I, was just, I was depressed. I was lost. I was anxious. And she had the discernment that even though I tried to put on a front, everything inside of me was broken. And she said, I'm going to pray for that young man. And if I would have told you, if you would have told me 10 years ago that I would be preaching about the God of miracles, I would have never believed you. But can I tell you, friend, that God wants to send Taylors. God wants to send Davids. God wants to send you. Hey, I, my wife told me and I started weeping because I was reminded that in the middle of my mess that my God fought for me. That in the middle of my depression, my God fought for me. In the middle of my anxiety, God fought for me when no one else would fight for me. He sent Taylor to fight for me when everyone wrote me off. Come on, stand to your feet with me. All I need is a memory. Listen, fans, I want to sing this out because all I needed was a memory. That moment when my wife told me that story, I started crying because it reminded me that in the middle of my mess, my God sees me. I want to tell someone today that you may have walked in here a mess, but he sees you and he knows you and he's been fighting for you since you were born. Come on, I want to do this. If you want to get some freedom, I want to give you a chance to respond. If you have some giants you've been complacent with, I want you to meet me at the front. If you have some giants that you've allowed to stay, I want you to meet me at the front. If God is calling you to have a heart like David and he's sending you like a deliverer, I want you to meet me up front. And what we're going to do, come on, you can come right now. What we're going to do is we're going to worship. And we're going to sing this out. And I believe God is going to begin to send David's forth like arrows. I believe God is going to begin to deliver, send deliverers. I believe God is going to begin to kill the giants. And all I need is a memory. I believe that as we remember God today and take our eyes and put them on Him, He's going to bring healing. Come on, come on, all the way up, all the way up. Come on, there's room in the front. Come on, all I need, all I need, sing it, all I need. All I need is a memory of a victory like a stone in a sling. Every time that you fought for me, it's all I need is a memory of a victory, like a stone in a sling. Every time that you say all I need is a, all I need is a memory of a victory, like a stone in a sling. Every time that you fought for me, it's all I need is a memory of a victory, like a stone in a sleigh. Every time that you fought for me, you can do anything, you can do anything, it's your brain and your mind, you 
you haven't been through Growth Track, go through Growth Track. Sign up today. It's next week. You'll get plugged in, involved. We love you, Thrive Family. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Invite a friend. Once again, thank you so much for joining in and listening to the message brought to our house this past Sunday. We love you, and we pray you have a blessed day and blessed week.